good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads, where we are today closing out our series, Christmas at Crossroads. It is our last official Sunday here uh, for the year 2022. We're excited that you're here, whether you're in the auditorium, whether you're joining us online on Facebook Live. If you're on Facebook, let us know you're there. Leave us a comment. Share this to your Facebook page uh, so it just multiplies the amount of people that will see this either today or throughout the week. Let me, let me highlight three announcements. I don't do that much anymore, but I want to highlight these three things. Again, the calendar is one of the things you need to know about. Uh, it's in the worship guide. If you didn't get a worship guide, there, there's one available when you leave. Uh, we're here today, and we're not back until the, I think it's the 8th of January, so the next two Sundays we're off. You may not like that. Uh, you may think that's, you know, wrong. Uh, we've done that since the very beginning. Our volunteers uh, give a lot of effort uh, every Sunday taking care of your children, doing things. And so we said from the very beginning we're going to take that Sunday between Christmas and New Year's off. Unfortunately, they both fall on Sundays this year. We're doing two, uh, three Christmas Eve services, one on Friday, two on Saturday. So that kind of makes up for Sunday. So we're actually having more services than we would have. You see what I'm saying? So anyway, so we want you to be here for those services, but we will not be here Sunday uh, the 25th, nor will we be here the 1st. You spend time with your family, you spend time with your friends, and let that be your act of worship. You can join other churches online if you want to, or you can attend another church. I mean, I, I encourage you to do whatever you feel comfortable with, but I ain't going to be here. So anyway, uh, if you show up, you're going to be by yourself. So anyway, uh, just know that. Let me also say this, Christmas Eve, like I just alluded to, is Friday uh, the 23rd at 6 p.m., and then on Saturday, the 24th, at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Now, it's been two years, 2019, since we've done Christmas Eve. We didn't do it because of COVID, afraid it was going to get you know, canceled at the last minute. We put a lot of effort, a lot of money into it, a lot of, so we wanted to be good stewards. So we didn't do it the last two years. I'm kind of over it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, and, and we're doing it again this year. I need you to invite people. I need you to fill this auditorium up. Last, and I'm probably being a little you know, liberal here, but uh, again, we probably had, uh, we did five services the last time we did, and we probably had close to 1,000 to 1,200 people. So again, we have become kind of known for that. We love it. We've always loved doing it. So we, we are kind of getting our toe back into it now after two years of off. So tell people this week, invite people this week. It's going to be cold. It's going to feel like Christmas. We're just going to pray that as we leave at six o'clock on Saturday, it starts snowing then and not before then. You know what I'm saying? So again, we want you to be, hey, by the way, if you want to help us be one of our dream team members, a, a part of our guest services, there's a sign up sheet out there. Leave your name, email address, and a phone number, and somebody will get in touch with you in the next couple of days. So again, we'll let you know what we need you to do. It's not a big commitment. It's just a commitment that we would love you to make. Make a little time for the Lord this Christmas and serve other people. That's the second thing I wanted to tell you. The third thing is this. Uh, it's about your giving. Uh, again, we want to finish the year strong. Uh, we will be gone for two Sundays. And again, the bills keep coming. And we want to finish this year strong. So if you could, you know, mail it, uh, do it online, get it to us on Christmas Eve, that would be great. Uh, and if you could do up and above your normal giving, just a gift to help us finish the year off strong. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for you. I understand that. So again, anything you can do there to help us finish strong, because I'm going to tell you people, I am not going to be where we were in 22 and 23. This is going to be a different thing. It's going to be a different year. So again, I want you to help us make that happen. Well, this is the time of the year that we say Merry Christmas. And again, the thing about it is, is well, some people don't because they still can't, you know. I mean, they just can't bring themselves to say Merry Christmas. But did you ever think about where that came from? I mean, where did the phrase Merry Christmas actually come from? See, if you actually want to know the answer to that, you have to go all the way back to the 1500s. 
because there was a guy by the name of Thomas Cromwell who was in service to the king, and he received a letter from a bishop, and the bishop closed out that letter with the phrase, Merry Christmas. And then you have Charles Dickens who writes that book, that story that became a movie that we all watch every year, and it tells us about Scrooge who gets his heart transformed, you know, during that, uh, that story. And if you remember, at the very end, Tiny Tim says in there, and a Merry Christmas to you all. And it was because of that book that the phrase Merry Christmas really became very, very popular. Now, again, this is a thing that's debated all the time, is why do we celebrate, you know, Christmas on December the 25th? And again, if you want to know the answer to that, you have to go all the way back to the very first celebration that we have recorded. It was in 336 A.D. in Rome by Constantine, the Christian emperor. And, and, and again, Constantine just wanted to know when was it that Jesus was actually born? And he spent lots of money trying to find out what that date was. And December the 25th is actually the date that he came up with. So he declared in the Roman Empire that that would be a celebration on December the 25th throughout the Roman Empire. But it wasn't until 1870 that America finally caught on and we declared December 25th as a national holiday. There's you some trivia. You can ask that or tell that or talk about that around the Christmas table with the people that you don't want to be with anyway. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you only see them once a year. You know what I'm saying? There's a little something for you to talk about. So here's the thing. We're going to, talk, we're going to close this out this morning, close out Christmas at Crossroads. And I thought it would be interesting. Why don't, why don't we just look at the Christmas story? I mean, right? I mean, why don't we look at the Christmas story? But what I want to do this morning is a little different. I want to go kind of behind the scenes because I believe there are some subtle things that are happening in the Christmas story that, that people like me don't often teach about. Uh, you don't often hear those because naturally when we think about Christmas and we think about church and faith and religion, we kind of naturally go to that little baby in a manger. And that's important. But again, here's the thing I would tell you. I would say that in the Christmas story, there are actually some, some little subtle things that are happening before, during, and, and after the birth of Jesus that in the subtlety of the things that are happening, I totally believe that God is trying to talk to us, to tell us something. So this morning, I'm going to dive into the Christmas story, and we're going to look at those behind the scenes, those, those subtle messages. And here's what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we talked about Elizabeth last week, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, here's what's really interesting. Anytime God wants anything done, who does he see? Send. He always sends Gabriel. And the scripture tells us that God sent the angel Gabriel to a place called Nazareth. And what's interesting about Nazareth is up until this moment, we've never heard of Nazareth. It's never mentioned before in scripture. But God sends Gabriel to Nazareth. And it's really interesting because 
this place called Nazareth that nobody's ever heard of is really kind of this out-of-the-way, hole-in-the-wall little town. There were no roads going in and out of Nazareth. They didn't have a good water supply. As a matter of fact, it, there was one of Jesus' followers, I think it was Nathaniel, uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it was Nathaniel that's, that asked the question, does anything good even come out of Nazareth? I mean, again, does anything good even come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth, Nazareth was this place that had no value, this place that, that people didn't think very highly of. I mean, I mean again, we, we, you know, when I moved to Lebanon uh, several years ago, there were lots of places that people would talk about. And, and one of the pe- places that I heard people talk about was Possum Town. I mean, and you think about Possum Town. That's different now than it was when I moved here. But people would talk about Possum Town, and you would think, well, is anything good going to come out of Possum Town? Because, again, it's just kind of the name just kind of tells you that nothing good is going to come out of Possum Town. A- and see, the, the angel Gabriel has gone to Nazareth a place with no value, a place that, that, that wasn't thought very highly of. And that's the place where I think we see the first subtle message that God is trying to communicate. This is before the birth of Jesus, that God is trying to communicate us through the Christmas story. And here's that message. Look, look, look behind me. God can bring great things from the places that appear to have no value. I mean, God can do great things out of those places in your life and my life that appear to have no value. When people talked about Nazareth, that was just a place that people associated with no value. There was no worth there. Nothing good could come out of Nazareth. And you know, it kind of makes me think, Because one of the things that kills me about our society right now is that that's exactly what we're doing. We're robbing people of their value. We're robbing people of their worth. Our society right now is so obsessed with this cancel culture and canceling people that we're robbing people of their worth, their identity, and their value. And the thing and the result of that is that we are filling people with depression and anxiety. The suicide rate among teenagers is the highest it's ever been. What is going on? Listen, we, we've lost our sense of identity. We've lost our sense of value. We've lost our sense of worth before a holy God. And we have bought into a lie that comes straight out of the pits of hell. Because that's the goal of the enemy. Listen to me, Crossroads. The goal of the enemy is to steal your value, to steal your worth, to steal your identity. So that you do not fulfill the calling that God has on your life. That's why I tell you, this cancel culture, if you buy into it, it's a tool of the enemy. It's a lie. So with that being said, there's a lot of us here this morning who feel like, you know what? 
we're in Nazareth. That's our life. We're living in Nazareth. What good could come out of there? What good could come out of our life? I love 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Here's what it says. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You know what, you know what that says? Jay, leave that up there just a moment. You know what that says? It says that you who are in Christ... That when you are in Christ, that you and I are precious in the sight of God. We carry the worth of God's blessings on our lives. And God loves us. And as my good friend who I missed just unbelievably, Lucy Jackson always said, God has a plan. God has a plan for you and God has a plan for me. And that's the reason I love the truth that is found in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Here's what it says. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's God's will for us. And if that's God's will for us, then here's the thing I want you to know. I've got something that you need to see. Because here's what the Christmas story tells us. The Christmas story reveals that no matter where you find yourself this morning, that God sees you right where you are. And God wants to do great things in you and through you. You may be in Possum Town. And you may be in Nazareth, but the Christmas story tells us that wherever you are, God sees you. And not only does he see you, God wants to do something in you and through you. You're precious in the sight of God. God loves you. You Listen to me, Crossroads, you are a person of high value and high worth to the Lord. And so that's the very reason that God sent Jesus to us. So that we can know and understand his love for us. So Luke has already told us that, that God has dispatched the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. That's verse 26. Here's what verse 27 says. Gabriel goes to a virgin. Now here's re really interesting, the word pledged. I'm going to come back to that. Goes to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Now think about that, Mary. This girl who lives in this remote village of Nazareth. No running water, no good water, no roads in and out of Nazareth. But God would choose her. And again, here's what I think is another one of those subtle messages that we find in the Christmas story. Here, here, here's that subtle message. God's plan always has a role for you to play. God has a plan for your life. Lucy Jackson will tell you that. And knowing that he has a plan for your life, the thing that you need to understand is that you have a role that you're supposed to play. I mean, think about it this morning. Joseph 
has a part to play in, that, in, 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 in this plan. Because for the prophecy to be fulfilled, that it would come, that this birth of the Savior would come from the house of David, you had to have someone in the lineage of David. And Joseph was a descendant of David of Bethlehem. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Isn't it interesting how, in honoring how God wants to enter into partnership with us to do his will on this earth? I mean, just think about that. God wants to enter into partnership with you to do his will on this earth and with me. I used to sell beer and cigarettes to some of you. You know what I'm saying? And God said, you know what? I'm going to take you here and I'm going to move you here so that you can do my will on this earth. Look at Ephesians. Remember that. God wants to partner with you. But look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. Paul says, for we are God's workmanship, workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Prepared in advance. And it makes me totally believe the words of the prophet Jeremiah. That says, from the time that you were knit into your mother's womb, God had a plan for you. From the time that you were knit together in your mother's womb, God had a plan for your life. But see, here's the thing. Even though there's a plan to your life, we listen, listen, we discovered that plan by yielding our lives to the purposes of God. Just like Mary and Joseph had to do. Because God had a plan for them. And God had chosen them. But they had to yield their lives to that plan that God had. I mean, think about that. The most unlikely people in the most unlikely place. But God had a role for Joseph and Mary to play. And here's what I want you to see. God has a calling on our lives, all of us, to share his love with our world. God has a calling on our lives to share his, li his love with our world. Now, again, this is the time of year that I've seen many of you posted pictures on Instagram and, and, and Facebook and stuff where you're going with your kids and your grandkids are singing and playing and doing things that, you know, in the school plays. And, and here's the thing you have to discover. Every one of those children on that stage has a role to play. And if one of them does not play the role that they're supposed to, then it's not going to come across like it was designed to come across. That's what I think we have to understand. We all have a role to play. It's true about you and me. God has a plan for me and a plan for you. And he, in that plan, he has a role for me and he has a role for you. And it's always been a mystery to me that God would include me. Because God, listen, listen, God doesn't need me. But he made the choice to use me, and he made the choice to use you. I mean, think about it. God didn't need Moses. 
God didn't need Moses to go to Pharaoh and, 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 you know, to tell him to let his people go. God could have done that himself. But what did God do? God sent Moses, and Moses went together with God. And what did the two of them do together? The two of them, God and Moses, made history on the world stage. God did not need David. But God went to David and used David to go and slay Goliath, this giant, with a stone and a slingshot. David stepped onto the world stage with God and killed Goliath. Let me tell you, God didn't need David. He could have done that himself. But that's the same thing we see in the Christmas story. God went to Nazareth to a girl named Mary. And you know what God said to Mary? Mary, come on. Let's go out and let's make history together. Just like you did with Moses and just like he did with David. Because God had a role for them. And God has a role for you and God has a plan for you. He has a role for your life and he has a plan for your life. And today what he desires more than anything else is he wants you and him together to make history that will ultimately impact the generations that are coming behind you. Let's look at, at verse 28 of Luke chapter 1. The angel went to her, that's Gabriel, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, we talked about her last week. Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I love this next phrase. Let, let's, let's say that together. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. Now think about that. Because nothing like this has ever happened in history. Where did Mary get the courage? I mean, think about it. She's a virgin. She hasn't been with a man. But she has to have the courage to go tell Joseph and then tell her mother and father that she's pregnant and yet she's not been with a man. I mean, think about the courage that that was going to take. Because when you visit the culture, like getting married back in that culture was like this three-step process. It was like initially step number one is the two fathers got together and it was arranged. It was an arranged marriage. They agree. 
They were pledged. Then you have the public announcement that they are pledged. Then about a year later, that's when the official ceremony would take place. But we find ourselves where we are right now in the Christmas story that Mary has just accepted this. She's accepted the fact that she's pregnant, and yet she's never been with a man. Because what did she say? May it be to me as you have said. And now she has to go and explain it to Joseph. And then explain it to her mother and father. So where does she get the courage to do that? I don't really know. But, I, but let, listen, I have a theory. Because, see, I believe that when the angel Gabriel was making these declarations over her about what was going to happen and who Jesus would be, it kind of reminded her of some things the prophet Isaiah had said. The, the, these words are not going to be on the screen, but you, you probably remember the words of Isaiah. You know, for unto us a child is born. The, the government is going to be on his shoulders. And he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. And his kingdom will be that kingdom that will never end. And I just think as Gabriel is, is telling her, declaring these things over her, that in that moment, the angel was actually reminding her of the Holy Scriptures. And I believe there was one verse that captured her attention. And this one verse is the verse that cemented everything in her spirit. And it's found in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Here's what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel. Again, there's another subtle message that I think is hidden in the story. And here's what that subtle message is. It's the word of God that gives you the strength to do the will of God. Some of you need to write that in your Bible. God's word is the thing that gives you the strength to do God's will. It's the word of God that gives you the strength that you need. Because here's the thing, it would be that inner abiding strength of the word of God that would help her to muster up the courage that she needed. To go tell Joseph, to go tell her mom, to go tell her dad. See, I don't think that was a problem for her because immediately she had the word of God planted in her. And Isaiah 7, 14, I mean, it resonated, it's semen and everything. But I do think that Mary said, me? Why me, Lord? What did I ever? No. I mean, why me? I can believe it could happen, God, but, but why me, Mary from Nazareth? How could it be me? But even in that, it was God's word that gave her the strength that she needed. I mean, what did John say? John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Because, see, here's the thing. When we get the Word of God in our hearts and our minds, you know what that means? That we have the power of Christ in us. And when we have the power of Christ in us, it's that power that helps us embrace the purposes and the will of God in our life. And that is the same power that will allow you and me to step onto the world stage with God and make history. Let's go back to the story, Luke chapter 2. Let me say one other thing. The Word of God allows you to believe and receive the purposes of God in your life. The Word of God allows you to believe and receive what God has for you. That's why it's so important for you to be in the Word of God. Let me tell you, you may not understand what you read sometimes. You know what? Can I just tell you something? Sometimes I don't understand it. But at least I'm taking it in and those seeds are being planted. And when you have that in you, you have something to draw from. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged, here it is, to the house and the line of David. Now think about this. Going to Bethlehem, you're pregnant, going to Bethlehem is a journey. It's 90 miles from where they were. There are no roads. There are predators in Israel. I mean, think about it. The Scripture tells us that when David was younger, he was guarding his flocks. And what did he kill? A lion and a bear. Because they were trying to attack his flock. So you have lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Lions, and tigers, and bears. Oh, my. And not only that, you had crooks, thieves. They're out there trying to, to, to kill people, to, to, to rob people. And this is hard for Mary and Joseph because here, Mary is about to deliver. And she's riding on the back of a donkey. I mean, that's like for you people who drive ram trucks. It's like a donkey, you know what I'm saying? You need to get a good GMC, you know, I'm just telling you. Sorry, Mary, I'm just kidding, okay? Her circumstances were difficult. And again, here's another place that we find one of those subtle things that God is trying to communicate to us. God will use our circumstances to position us for the good that He wants to do in us and through us. God will use your circumstances. Let me tell you, some of you right now, I know, and some of you I don't know, God's using your circumstances right now to position you so he can do something in you. He's using your circumstances right now, even though you hate it and it's painful, so he can do something through you. Because that's the way God works. Now, you know why they had to go to Bethlehem, don't you? Because there had been a prophecy. Micah had prophesied that the Savior of the world was going to be born in Bethlehem. 
lots of prophecies about Jesus. And can I just say this? Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy that was made about him. Every one of them. You don't believe in God? Try to make that happen. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that had been made about him. And that's why we need to understand, God will use the most unusual things to get us in the right place. So that he can use us in the most effective ways. And sometimes, I know this for a fact, those are painful things. Those places are painful. But I have learned, Crossroads, listen, from my own life, that God can do some of his best work in us and through us and through those painful places. That's why Romans 8.28 is so important to me. And if you don't have a verse for your life, this should be it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You may not understand it. You may not like it. It may hurt. But here's the thing. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The Christmas story goes on in verse 6. It says, while they were there in Bethlehem, the baby came, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to, a, to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Here's another message, another subtle message that you don't see in the Christmas story. Look, look behind me here. The story is this, or, or, the, or the, the message is this. That was God's plan. All along. See, we, we, we get all tore up that there was, you know, the Motel 6 was closed. The Ritz-Carlton was closed. You know, they were all closed. Ju- it was just terrible. It was terrible. That, it wasn't terrible. That was God's plan. It was not a mistake. It was not plan B. It was not an alternative. That was God's plan from the very beginning. Because the manger is a symbol of God's love for all people. Think about it. If you're a shepherd a humble shepherd, you can come to the manger. If you're a Gentile king, you can come. It doesn't matter what your life is. It doesn't matter what your stage of life is. You can come. And the manger, listen to me this morning, hear me. The manger was God's way of saying, I'm here. I'm here to love you. I'm here. And John speaks so clearly to this in the verse that we all know, John 3, 16. Look at what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's for all who come. It's for anyone who comes to the manger. And and can I just say something to you this morning? It's going to sound a little bit goofy, a little bit crazy, but you kind of know me, so I think you'll get it. The manger's open this morning. Did you know that? The manger is open. And you can come this morning to the manger. And you can see the Christ child right now. 
I mean, I mean, can you imagine what it would have been like to have been Mary and, and to hold that baby in her arms? Because, see, when I see Mary holding that baby in her arms, you know what that is to me? That's the perfect picture of God's love for us. It's, it's the perfect picture. And I'm not even a mother, but, but every mother knows that when you hold your baby for the first time, there's a bond between a mother and a baby that goes beyond anything that any of us could ever imagine. And that's exactly the thing that I think God wants us to know. Because here's the next subtle message that we see in the story. God desires a personal love relationship with us. Not just a relationship, but God desires a personal love relationship with us. God wants us to, to know His love. God wants us to feel His love. God wants us to take that love and to share His love. And that's what we see in the picture of Mary holding baby Jesus in her arms. Because God wanted us to know, listen to me, He wanted us to know that in a real and personal way. And that's why Jesus came as a baby. In a humble manger. I, I love this verse of Scripture in Luke 2, verse 19. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things. And she pondered them in her heart. I'm not sure that Mary actually knew all the things that God was going to do through this baby. See, the question is, Mary, did you? The blind will see, the deaf will hear. 
See, I, I love the line in the song that says, when you have kissed your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Did you know, Mary? Mary, did you, did you know? Here, here's the final subtle thing from the Christmas story. The power of the Holy Spirit that brought life inside of Mary that same power is available to bring spiritual life inside of you. See, Paul reminded us of that when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He tells us that th that same power is available to all of us when we embrace him with our hearts and with our lives. Because when you think about the Christmas story, that's it. That's the true Christmas story. The, cru the cr true story is that God has a plan for your life. And you're so valuable to Him that He would send His Son to this earth for you so that you could understand and grasp the love that He has for you. Because, see, his son would pay the price as he sacrificed his life on the cross. And thank God he would rise from the dead, conquering the grave and conquering death. And then he would ascend into heaven. And you know where he's at right now? He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, right in this very moment, praying for you. He's called us to step onto this stage as his followers and to embrace our roles as his followers and to be like Mary and to carry his love to the world because that's our mission. That's our Christmas story. And that Christmas story, listen, it's still unfolding, it's ongoing. It's not just December the 25th. I want you to hear me this morning. It's not just December the 25th. That story is every day. Because every day we carry that story with us. You know, I've often made fun of people in my life. I mean, I love to have fun, but one of the things that I used to laugh and make fun with people all the time about 
was somebody who would leave their Christmas lights up year-round. Anybody with me? You know, you'd look on their house, and you'd see their Christmas lights up all year long. And then I started to thinking, wait a minute. Isn't that the way it should be? Shouldn't we be carrying the story of Christmas in our life every day? That's what we all should be doing. Shouldn't we be carrying the light and the love of Jesus with us all year long? Because it's not just one time a year. It's all year. Would you bow your heads this morning and let me pray for you? I want to pray for, I want to pray two different prayers. I want to pray for those, those of us who have already accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That we would be that light that city on a hill that can't be put out, that we would carry and embrace the role that we've been given to carry the love of Jesus to the world and that people would see that. And then I want to pray for those of you who have maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What a time to do that. Christmas season 2022. Every head bowed, every eye, clo every eye closed, please. God, for those of us who are already following Jesus. I just pray that during this season that we would be the people that you have called us to be. That we would be that light that shines bright in the darkness. That people would look at our life at Walmart, at school, at work, and they would see Jesus in us. God, that we would embrace the mission and the role that you've given us as we step onto the world stage. That we would be those people who, who do things in the lives of other people, who change lives for generations to come. Let this be a season, this Christmas season, of one like we've never experienced. As we come to you and embrace you for who you are. Our Savior, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe today that's the prayer that you want to pray. So maybe right where you're seated in this auditorium, whether you're listening in your car or watching us online, just simply say these words. You can fashion your own prayer, but say something like this after me. God, this morning I just totally, the light went on. And I realized that that thing that's missing from my life is Jesus. He came into this dark world to bring me hope, to rescue me so that I could spend eternity with you, God. And today, God, I, I place my faith in him because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you will be saved. So God, right now, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and he's the Lord of my life. The author, the finisher of my faith, the forgiver of my sins. I put my faith in him and I turn from the life that I've been living. And I look to him as my leader, the CEO of my life. And I ask you to forgive me all of my sins as only he can. And this morning, let me tell you, if you prayed that prayer, then I want to know that either on a tear-off or you can see me after the service or you can uh, drop me an email, randy at crossroadslebanon.com. Because in 2023, we want to lead you into the next step, which is baptism. God, may this be a season of remembering, a season of celebration, a season of worship, not just about trees and toys and gifts and food, 
but about the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. We come to you, God, this morning as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand on our feet?
Oh. 